0: You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Well, welcome back to this uh, special edition of the um, Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. I am super, super excited for this one because I have um, Pastor Robert Morris from Gateway Church on the line. Pastor Robert Morris. Um, and I met um, several years ago, but actually, um, I read his book or one of his many books, uh, "The Blessed Life," uh, one of the best books on the subject of stewardship and giving I've ever read in my life. And uh, after I read it, um, discovered that we had a mutual friend, and he set up a rela- or he set up a meeting with us. And since then, um, Pastor Robert has not only become a friend, but he's also become a pastor to me. So it is an incredible honor. Um, uh, Pastor Robert, to have you on the line for this podcast to just kind of talk to you about some some um, ministry questions and and how you've dealt with ministry. And I guess I guess my first question, Pastor Roberts, how long have you been in ministry?
1: Uh, well, uh, before I answer that, let me just say, Perry, I uh, I'm excited to be with you, and uh, you know this, but for everyone listening, I just want to say how much I love you and how proud I am of you. Um, Uh, That me being uh, like a pastor to you and uh, in some ways a spiritual father, although I'm only old enough to be your spiritual brother. Let's make sure (laughs) you clarify that. (laughs) Older brother. But but I'm very, very proud of you, man. And so uh, I have, I got saved February the 16th, uh, 1981. And I was actually, this is going to shock some people, but I was actually already preaching when I got saved. Um, I kept rededicating my life. And thought I'd gotten saved as a child and when I was 16 I rededicated my life and a pastor an evangelist actually started taking me with him to travel and helping me mentoring me and I started preaching some youth things but it wasn't until uh, uh, on that February date that I really really realized I'd never truly been saved and accepted Christ so I really have been in ministry since February sixteenth, 1981, so about 33 years now. Before
0: that, I'm not going to count that as ministry. (laughs) Oh, I understand. So that that is just so fascinating, though. So you were actually in ministry. I mean, it's kind of like the Apostle Paul. He was in ministry. Well, you probably weren't killing people. But he was in, I mean, you were in ministry, but then met Jesus. And so you've been in, you you would say you've been in ministry since 1981. What what would you say, um, just being a pastor, and of course... Um, talking to pastors on a, on a consistent basis. I know you're very connected. What would you say um, is one of the most overwhelming circumstances that you see on a consistent basis that pastors deal with? I think probably the most um, overwhelming would be uh, two things, if
1: I could say that. Um, the, the burden of, of the people, the burden of ministry, the burden of helping people, the burden of, Preaching messages and coming up with fresh ideas—that just the burden that ministry is that we carry. Uh, and then the the along with that, I guess it's really under all under one topic under the burden. But uh, it's so important is the the time, the energy, um, the the schedule that we all have. And um, you know, you know, Perry, the things I've dealt with with my health, and it's been really because I just have not stewarded my time and my energy as well as I could and um, we were talking just a moment ago before we actually started the podcast about you said how am I doing I said I'm, I'm actually surprised how well I'm doing and uh, the, the secret that I really want to share with anyone in ministry is that I started budgeting uh, my time and energy like you have to budget money and you know you only have so much money and if you have a you know a household income of Sixty thousand, or eighty thousand, or hundred thousand, or whatever it is, you can't have. If it's eighty thousand, you can't have a budget of, of ninety thousand. Right. Know, you have to schedule, uh, budget your your uh, however much money you have. You have to budget that much. And the thing about the that's different uh, between money and time is you can actually make more money, <laughs> but you, <laughs> but you can't make more time. That's right. The only thing you can't make more because God made it. And so what has helped me tremendously, and with the burden of ministry, the mistake that I've made and the mistake I see a lot of guys make, is they begin to impulse uh, schedule, Mm. (laughs) if I could say that. Instead of impulse buy, they begin to impulse schedule. They say, yes, I can come. Yes, I can do this. And they want to, and we want to, because we love people. But the, the, the more strict I've become about my schedule, the more I'm enjoying ministry the more I'm excited uh, to go to the pulpit uh, I told Debbie last night, my wife and uh, you know that, but it, just for those that might not know um, I told Debbie last night, I said I, I get to study in the morning mm. and I can remember when I was busy I would think to myself I have to study in the morning I have wow. to prepare a message in the morning and last night I was excited couldn't wait to go to bed and wait to get up because I, this, this morning was one of my study mornings and um, so I just think it's the burden of ministry, but the, the, the way that burden becomes overwhelming many times is we're not strict enough
0: about scheduling our time and our energy. Would you say, Pastor Robert, that one of the most stressful things about being a pastor um, of, a, of a, you know, a growing church or a growing ministry or being a leader in any organization is at some point you have to tell people, no and we hate to hurt people we hate to disappoint people we've got that burden as you said of working with people how what are some of the ways that you've kind of navigated through that personally because you you you've wanted to say yes but you know you need to say no and you're kind of walking that line as a leader and that that can be pretty overwhelming as well What's some things that you would say to a younger pastor and and by the way I'm I'm taking notes on this one too but what's what some things you would say Um, that you've said, all right, I want to say yes, but I've got to say no. What's some things that's kind of helped you navigate that? Yeah. Well, um, let me go back to
1: what has really helped me is seeing time as a commodity that I only have so much of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the same way of of money, Uh, it's easy for me to say no to certain purchases. (laughs) Because <laughs> I can't afford wow. them, you know? <laughs> that's easy. <laughs> I mean I can look at a certain car or a certain home or a certain uh suit or something, and I think I can't afford that. You know it's easy to say no. And when I began to put time in as a commodity and schedule it i I could say with integrity in my heart, I'm not able to do that and I used to think that I couldn't say that because I would look at my schedule and I'd see, okay, I'm scheduled the week before to go somewhere. I'm during the week, let's say, not on the weekend if I'm here preaching, and I'm scheduled the week after, but the week he's asking me for, I actually could do it. I don't have anything else scheduled, but I do have something the week before and the week after. And so I would think in integrity, I can't say I'm not able to come. Well, what I've realized is I'm not able to come because I'm spending the energy the week before, and I'm spending energy the next week, And I don't have that much energy. I just don't have it. Oh, we all don't. We all need times of rest. I mean, God himself put it in. He rested on the seventh day. Obviously, he didn't need to, but he put it in as an example for us. Um, And he was refreshed, the Bible says, which is kind of a hard passage to explain theologically that God (laughs) himself was refreshed. (laughs) Uh, But I actually looked that word up, and it meant to breathe in. And I got thinking about, you know, when you speak, you breathe out. You know, for, for six days, he'd been saying, let there. He'd been breathing out. And on the seventh day, he he breathed in. He took a breath. And we say it a lot. We say, I just need to catch my breath. Well, that's what the Lord showed me. That week before, I'll be breathing out somewhere, wherever I minister. And that week after, I'd be breathing out. So I need to breathe in that week. So I can with integrity, just like on a purchase, say, I'm not able to buy that. I can with integrity say, you know, I'm not able to come to your 40th birthday party. Maybe it's a friend in the church. I'm not able to do this wedding. I'm not able to. I'd love to if I could, but because of my schedule, I'm not able to. And I really know
0: I'm being integrous in my heart that I, I'm not able to do that. You know, Pastor Rob, that's, that's amazing. I've never heard anybody um, make that comparison with, with time and money, not not specifically the way you did that. That. That is uh that's enormous. I think that's going to help a lot of pastors and, and ministry leaders. I was um, uh you know speaking of so you've you've done all all sorts of ministry. You've been in youth ministry. You've been a traveling evangelist, um and you've planted a church. What year was it, Pastor Robert? I I I, I think I know, but I want to I want to I want to get this right. What year was it that you planted Gateway?
1: We planted uh, Easter of two thousand. Okay. So this uh, Easter is our fourteenth anniversary
0: okay that's what that's what I thought because uh, Gateway and New spring are kind of like sister churches yeah. we planted the same year. Um, so when you planted uh, the church you, you you and Debbie were married and then how old you've got three you've got three children. Um, how old were your children when you when you planted gateway? Well my oldest son was a senior in high school that spring
1: uh, and then um, so he was about 18 then my um uh next I think he was seventeen my next son was um fourteen and then my daughter was nine and um you know i since you asked that question i'm going to say something to i'm gonna um share a mistake I made that hopefully will help other pastors and ministry leaders not to make this mistake uh my boys were older uh older you know teenagers and we uh loved to hunt and fish and golf and we had these hobbies uh my daughter Uh, You know, her hobby was more of a shopping and shopping is I know some guys like to shop, but I don't I I, you know I told her one time sugar if you'll just drag me behind the car to the mall and drag me home I'll enjoy it more Um, but um, And so uh, I really did not spend as much time with my daughter um, As I should have uh, in her teenage years and the church took off and I became very busy and uh, it actually uh, resulted in the enemy getting a foothold in her where mm. she went away from the Lord for a couple of years. She now is part of the King's University here. Uh, she went to ORU before that. She travels and speaks. She's she's just doing wonderful with the Lord. But um, her breakthrough really came uh, when God showed me that uh, I was not there for her in a crucial time in her life. And um, I didn't just say I'm sorry, but I, I really – it broke my heart, and I really spent some time repenting to her uh, that I should have been there for her. And she thought, she felt like I put the church in front of her, uh, and I did. She felt that for a good reason. I didn't mean to. None of us ever mean to. Um, so, since you, she, you asked about her kids, and, and maybe you were going down this road, um, that's one of the things that um, now, when I'm budgeting my time, um, all three of my kids are grown and married. So, they're not at home. They don't have ball games to go to that I need to be at, and things like that. So, I have a little more time that I can budget. I actually have a little more money, too. <laughs> so, that's another subject once you get them out of your home. The point is that when those kids are younger, that's part of your schedule as a pastor or leader where you can say, I'm not able to because your son has a ball game and you need to be there, and your daughter has a recital and you need to be there, or you have a date night with your kids or your wife. Uh, we did my daughter and I did have date nights I didn't keep all of them and that's where part of the uh, pain came in but even to this day she remembers those that we did and uh, it was very
0: very important to her you know Pastor Robert I remember sitting with you and your daughter in in your office when I was out there one time I specifically asked for a meeting with you and your daughter um, because I have a daughter and Karis is now six years old and I said hey what are some things that that your dad did to Um, help you out and the first thing you said um you interrupted me and you said um let me let her tell you what i did wrong um and and you you told me about that conversation you had where you repented to her and and she was um she was still moved by that even though that conversation had taken place years ago i never will forget the emotion in that room and just um really appreciate you sharing that because i know so many times as pastors um, that there's, quote, an emergency, and, and let's just be honest, there, there could be an emergency at the church every night of the week, um, and we let yeah. those emergencies kind of trump the recitals and the baseball games, and, uh, and, and short-term it provides us feeling good because we felt like maybe we helped somebody, but long-term um, th- there's a price to pay with that, correct? Yeah, there is, and, and you
1: know, let me uh, say right there, you know the, the kind of the next question that a person might have in his, his or her mind listening would be, uh, well, what do I do? I mean, if there is an emergency at the church, what do I do? And and how do you do that? And what I've learned to do is not just say I'm not able, but is uh, the next the the answer the solution is to really truly empower people around you. Yep. I mean, really empower them, and empowerment really um, is the way Jesus did it. He, he did the ministry with them, he did it in front of them, he let them do it with him, and then he let them do it without him even there, sent them out to do it. And um, so by me doing it in front of them, I'm imparting my DNA the way I want it done, the way I feel is the best way for us to do ministry to people, humbly, kindly, uh, with grace, things like that. And then by letting them do it, I'm able to speak in their lives, and tell them, man, you hit it out of the park, you did a great job, you did this well. Let me tell you some things i do differently that um, maybe someone could hear it the wrong way or something like this, and then I'm confident when they do it without me that they're doing it the way um, I would want them to do it, and more
0: importantly, the way the Lord would want them to do it. What are some things that you do personally? Because uh, I've had people ask me, how, how do you avoid stress and anxiety in ministry? And my answer is, you don't go into ministry. Um, it, it just comes with a territory. Um, what are some things that you do personally, though, to kind of relieve your stress and, and relieve your anxiety? Uh, well, I think uh, God created
1: all of us um, uh, to enjoy the earth. You know, he, I, when you look at the mountains and the oceans and all the different animals and the different colors, Uh, I mean, he went to a whole lot of trouble to create a beautiful place for us to enjoy. Mm -hmm. And uh, we all have hobbies. We all have things that we like to do. We all have things that refresh us or refill us. Um, I was actually just speaking at a thing a while back with former President Bush, uh, George W. Bush, and he was talking about how he does painting now. Mm-hmm. and uh i just I just thought about that. I just thought, so for me, uh Debbie and I like boating, we like uh, you know jet skis, and we like going to the lake, but you can't do it all year round, but we like the outdoors and um so we have we've had people in the church that have allowed us to use um vacation homes. We've also had uh times where just go to the park. Um, or, um, you know, it's, it seems like God provides no matter where we've been in our stage of life. Um, you know, like when we were young, my dad had a boat and during the summer he would, we bring it up to our house and he'd just let us use it in the summer. And then he'd come get it and take it back. And I remember it dawned on me one day, the only reason he has this boat is for me, you know, but it was still God's provision at that time. So I I just want to stress that Financially now, Debbie and I can afford a boat. Financially, we also have some land where we get away a little place uh, because of the uh, books and things that the Lord has, has blessed us with. But there was a time, and there's probably many ministry leaders that are listening that are thinking, "Okay, well, I can't, you know, have a second home right now. Or I can't have a jet ski or something." I understand that. I can remember playing golf with, you know, that uh, with some clubs that someone gave me. And um, uh, the putter was left-handed, but I learned how to use it. You know? <laughs> and I played at some pretty cheap golf courses and walked, you know. So I would just say find something that replenishes you and refreshes you. Um, and, and it's really important, Perry. You know, you've heard me teach about a Sabbath, a day off. Yep. And the word Sabbath means cease from labor. So um, whatever our labor is, if it's, if it's doing blogs – is part of our labor, if part of our labor is um, studying, if part of our labor is writing, if part of our labor is preparing to teach, if part of our labor is answering emails, ministry emails. I don't do those on Monday. Monday is like a seventh day for me Mm. because of the weekends, and it is for a lot of pastors. So I'm very, very um, strict about taking a day off from ministry. As a matter of fact, I've gotten emails before for my staff on Monday, and I send them an email back and what day is this and just remind them <laughs> this is my sabbath this is not the day to email me um you know and i think there are blessings when we um rest one day a week i think there are consequences when we don't so i would say that make sure you take some time off and then find something that replenishes you and refreshes you
0: how do you tell pastor robert and um because I, I know this and and you've dealt with this i deal with this so so you're trying to take some time off. You're trying to go play a game of golf. You're, you know, a friend lets you borrow their boat or whatever, and you're going out there. But one of the things I've seen um, personally, and I've talked to other pastors about this, is the enemy hits us with guilt. It's uh, it's like, okay, you shouldn't be hunting or you shouldn't be fishing or you shouldn't be boating. You should be doing ministry. And, and that is a thought that we've got to take captive. Um, what would you say to the, to the pastor out there that maybe feels a little bit guilty for going out and once a once or so a week, and join a game of golf. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I understand that completely. I mean, I felt that too. And the Lord, you know, the Lord is so gracious to speak to us, and a lot of times He'll give us word pictures to help us. Like Jesus would say, there was a farmer and there was a field, or you know something. Um, I just felt like the Lord showed me that that I'm like a guy that drives one of these 18-wheeler fuel trucks. You know, you see them, and they pull up to the gas station, they fill the gas station up. And they go to another one, they fill up those tanks. And then, we never see this, uh, but eventually they, gotta, they have to go to a refinery somewhere, and they have to fill their truck back up. Mm-hmm. And when they're filling their truck up, they're doing nothing. I mean, they can't do anything while the truck's filling up. And that's the, the analogy the Lord gave me, is that, Robert, you, you drive this fuel truck, and you give fuel to the church members. You get fuel to your staff you get fuel to your leadership you even get fuel to your family you're filling your family up but you you're going to have to go back to the refinery Mm. and get filled up yourself and and you can't do anything during that process and so obviously spiritually i'm filling myself up with the word but physically mentally and emotionally uh, i've got to pull the truck over to the back to the refinery pull it off the road for a while otherwise you just if a truck just kept going to gas station after gas station after gas station uh, it's going to run out and and that's where many
0: ministers end up yeah pastor Robert I'm as I'm wrapping up I mean you the the time thing has been huge um, and and I know that's not just something you're saying I've I've seen you we, we've had conversations about this over the past year and and I know you're really excited about this I I'm going to give you the final word in this in this podcast um, and just ask you what what would you say to ministry leaders, pastors um, who, who are dealing with some stress, who are dealing with some anxiety, who are dealing with maybe some frustration in ministry? Um, what, what, it, what is it that's just on your heart that you would say, this is the one thing I would tell them? Uh, I'd, I'd tell them that you're fighting
1: for your life. I mean, that's how important I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there are things that we have to do to have a healthy marriage, And there are things we have to do to have a healthy ministry. Um, And there are things we have to do to be healthy physically. Um, There are just some standards that we've got to do. And I would say to someone that's dealing with the stress, and I understand it completely, um, I would say you just, you you, got to see that you're fighting for your life. And I don't want to um, not finish the task that the Lord has for me. And I also want to be here. Uh, you know, for my grandkids, when they get married or when they have kids, I want to be here for them. I don't want them to be hearing about that Papaw was a great man of God. And I also want them to to be there with Papaw, you know, when he's retiring from the church and, and celebrating 40 years of ministry or 50 years of ministry and 50 years of marriage. And I, w- I want to be there. And so I, I feel like I've gotten that place where I, I realize uh, this is serious. And um, I, I've had some things that have caused me to see how serious it is, uh, and I just think every ministry leader needs to get that down deeply in their hearts. This is serious, and I need to make changes now, or I may not be around to make
0: changes later. That's so good. That is so good. I um, I can't emphasize how, how much I appreciate you giving us some time today. Um, I know you're the real deal. I've seen you um, with your wife and, and just... I've seen how much you and Debbie love each other. I've seen you with your children. I've seen you with your grandchildren, and, and I'll just be honest, Pastor Robert, when, when your grandchildren walk in the room, you you, you get really bright. I mean, you, you, just, you just light up like a firecracker. And it's so awesome to see um, a, a pastor who's been doing ministry since 1981, whose wife, your marriage is as strong today as it ever has been, um, and your family still loves you and respects you. So thank you um, for being a great example, and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Perry. That's it. Thank you so much for listening to this edition. I believe this was one of the best interviews we've ever had on the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. And stay tuned later on this month. We've got some more surprises coming your way.